You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of the Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate radio show, live from Desert Rock FM. You're joined by myself, Clancy Overall, and Effie Bateman today. This is going to be a bit of a gear change, a refreshing gear change from our last couple of guests. We've had a pretty big run of Aboriginal activists and footballers in the wake of what looks to be a very, very black news cycle in the Indigenous Voice referendum and the Koori knockout, of course, which took place uh, last weekend in uh, Tugra. But there's something else happening in the news cycle and there's something else happening in the culture is the, I'm going to say, renaissance or the return to glory for Australian TV and film. A couple of dark years there in the pandemic where I guess a lot of Australians reverted to looking at whatever was on television. I remember during the peak of lockdown, it was probably Tiger King. Tiger King, Tiger King which was um, a really dark place to be, uh, watching the fall of the American Empire through a documentary series about people who own wild animals in, in fucking Oklahoma. But, you know, we're back in Australia particularly. The streamers and the TV networks have gassed up post-pandemic and we're not actually making shows anymore that need to be set in one room, which is great. That model of the White Lotus where you can have everyone in one place and kind of keep it COVID safe, Mm. that was an era of Australian TV and film, but not so much anymore. And I think it's great to be able to have shows that are set in different parts of the world. And and today's guest has pulled together something like that, you know, a real return to form, a series. Kit Guri, thank you for joining us. Thank you uh, very much for having me. That was really the inspiration for the show was there was a a fair bit of COVID built into it because we, I, I wrote it right before the pandemic and we got to evolve the episodes during the pandemic, which yeah, is right. sort of a way for us to uh, stay sane through yeah. that. That I did the Melbourne lockdown, so yeah. I was down oh, there for that. Yeah, he's, was, a, he's a three hundred day over yeah. here. Yeah, did my time down there. With yeah. it, was, it was horrible, obviously, but uh, it was a it was a strange opportunity. Me and my brother lived together. Yeah. You know, suddenly two forty five year old <laughs> men living together. First time for twenty years. Yeah, or, yeah thirty and, uh, years. Was, we just watched footy every night. I mean, it was really like we were sixteen again, yeah. yeah. wagging school and. It was a really kind of um, interesting experience. But, yeah, during the day I'd work on the scripts and then exactly what what you just alluded to was the idea of making it ambitious and expanding it. And in the beginning it was like, oh, maybe we could be four guys who've been kidnapped in one room because you didn't know if we were ever going to come out of this COVID thing. And then as we got out of it and started to see the light, I started to think, nah, we should set this and make it really big. And then just a whole bunch of my friends who are insanely successful started saying, oh, yeah, I'll come work on it. Yeah. Yeah, the ambition sort of caught up with itself and turned into what it did. So the show's called Court. It's a series on Stan. It's already out now. Um, Everyone can go and have a look at that now. But I want to ask, now that you say that, that, you know, your experience in the Melbourne lockdown with your brother watching (laughs) footy, drinking piss every night and writing scripts, Court is also seeing, you know, as I said, there's a renaissance of Australian TV, but it feels like you're revisiting one of the national pastimes of absolute shit talk. <laughs> and do you think yeah. that was inspired by being able to bro down with your brother a little bit? Like, Yeah, I'm sure it was yeah. heavily influenced by yeah. it. But I really did. When I started out um, as an actor in Sydney in the late 90s, we were coming out of a period where, where I thought Australian film and TV a little bit created a real brand for itself yeah. with Muriel's Wedding and Strictly yeah. Ballroom yeah. and Priscilla and Crocodile Dundee and 
in many ways, you know, decades ahead of its time. And yeah. I went back and watched Priscilla recently and it just holds it, up. It, it's, it's, it's like a movie you'd make now yeah. to say this is what we want the world to be. And yeah. it was actually, you know, it's 30 years ago. So yeah. really ahead of its time. And, and it felt like now in TV, the Scandinavian shows have a real brand. Like yep. this is what we do, that dark. That yeah. that. Well, I felt like we had that. And then I think we kind of lost our way in that brand for yeah. about 20 years and during the course of my career. And I, and I really felt a yearning to go back to it, to yeah. so that idea of Australians not taking themselves too seriously. Well, that's the thing. Like When I saw this trailer, I got really excited because what I see the Australian movie and TV scene at the moment, it's Outback, incest, drugs. I remember <laughs> I went on a, a date. Heroin, yeah. Yeah, a lot of heroin. <laughs> I, went, I went on a date. And we watched The Dry and it got, it was almost finished the movie. I was like, there's been no incest yet. What the fuck's going on? What's going on? This isn't going to work. Yeah, Yeah. what the fuck? Spoiler alert, final 10 minutes of the movie, you find out there's incest. (laughs) And I was like, I miss, I miss the larrikin comedies. I miss the castle. I miss fun like that. So do you reckon there's going to be a a renaissance and we're going to start getting the the fun? I hope so. I think probably there's been a a shift um, in entertainment towards the tail wagging the dog. It always yeah. has to a certain extent financially, but yeah. I think narratively now, filmmakers, storytellers, there's a real pressure on, and I felt it myself during this, there's real pressure put on you to make yourself a good person yeah. through your story. Like yeah. you have to look like the one that's altruistic yeah. and doing the right thing and yeah, da da yeah. da. And you go, the thing I always come back to is when I'm at a dinner, the person I want to be telling the story is the most outrageous. Yeah. The one that you just go, I don't know where this person's going with this story. Yeah. I don't want them to look after my kids. No. no. I don't want them to I don't want to t- take, take my grandma. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to take them fishing. I don't trust them, whatever. But when they're telling the story, I'm like, everyone else be quiet. I want to listen to this lunatic for the next 30 minutes. Yeah. So it's like the beer test. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that's what people love in Australian storytelling. And, you know, I mean, Croc Dundee is a great example, this outback story, but then he's in New York yeah. and he's hanging out, he's Aussie in New York. Yeah. And when he says to that guy on the street, you know, Mick Dundee from Australia, maybe I'll see you around. Yeah. That for me is that sort of spirit of whatever the fuck we're doing, we're yeah. doing. Yeah. And, yeah. and I wanted to really tap into that. So, yeah. yeah, hopefully it will. You find that with also that era you're talking about where we did do our warts and all quite well, whereas Muriel's wedding, we that was like the most perfect kind of seamless insight into council corruption. Yep, which yeah, exactly. Which is just a yep. very Australian thing. And infidelity. I infidelity. mean, Bill Hunter's, you know, <laughs> keep bumping into the woman he's having the affair with. And then with the castle, with I thought it was actually very brave to have include a, a sibling that was in prison, Yeah, which was just so, for that era, you know, 90s, Breaking Enders, heroin. Yeah, that was the best way to present that. And you know for an, I mean? for an, for a slightly ignorant audience, and I would count myself as one of those. When Daryl Kerrigan says at the end, "I'm starting to understand how the Aborigines feel." Yeah, mm. when he's being displaced from yeah. his home for an airport, yeah. and the whole movie you're on his side. You're yeah. going like, "Yeah, it's his home. He shouldn't yeah. get to keep his home." Yeah, yeah. I remember tweaking in that and thinking, "Wow, this is such a silly comedy, yeah. but man, it's it's actually." triggering yeah. some really amazing intellectual themes, ideas yeah. and themes in your yeah. brain, evolving our, our sort of idea set. So I want to go back uh, with you because I think one of the more groundbreaking films that this country's seen is Looking for Alan Brandy. And you got to play an incredible character in that, which was the white trash boy from the <laughs> wrong side of the tracks. Yep. I want to ask, before we discuss you know, what that film did for Australia and, and, and many people that hadn't really been felt or seen or heard or represented until that point. 
I want to ask, did you ever have an Italian girlfriend after this? <laughs> or how did you, like, did you ever visit Leichhardt after this um, film came yeah, out? Yeah, like, I did many times. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure I left for about two years after the film came out. Yeah, no, there, there, still to this day, there's an amazing connection for mm. a lot of, you know, Greek, Italian, almost anyone who felt out of place yeah. at school, which also actually includes you know, white Anglo yeah. Aussie girls because yeah. it's that teenager yeah. mentality of feeling out of place, but yeah, yeah. but particular to that community. No one understands um, my mum. No one understands me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Pia played it so well that the Josie character of of not being a part of the Italian community yeah. but then being rejected by the waspy kids yeah. at school and feeling you're in the middle of that. And I think that's probably a natural journey for most teenagers, but, but very particular when it's something you can't change, that yeah. her ethnicity is not something she can yeah. you know, put on a different set of clothes or yeah. get a nose pierce and whatever. So, yeah, no, it, it, was a, it was a fascinating insight into fame, which yeah. this, this show of court is about yeah. early on to be thrust into... Um, I, you, I remember. Were you heartthrob? Well, were you, I don't think that's something you can self-proclaim. You were a, <laughs> a skippy sex icon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do remember Callan Mulvey uh, is an old mate of mine. He played Drazic on oh, yeah. Heartbreak oh, High. Yeah. Oh, he would have been. He legitimately oh. was a, a yeah. heartthrob. And yeah. I remember we were in Manly just after Alabrandi. the rollerblader. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Ivar Ring. And, yeah. and um, he and I were in Manly not long after Alabrandi came out. And we, we used to go down there and have a couple of beers on the beach. And we, were, we just suddenly were getting chased by sort of 30 or 40 schoolgirls in school <laughs> uniform. And we were only 19 or 20 at the time. And I remember looking at one point because he was like, run! And I had no experience with being chased by girls in school uniform. And, and he was like, run! And we were running. And I said to him, why are we running? <laughs> it felt really antithetical to what I thought we should be doing. Yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, he taught me uh, the trappings of um, that stuff. So Had a duck and weave. Yeah. And then, like, you had your stripes. Like, you had some, uh, you know, Australian TV in this era we're talking about. Yep. I read before that you were lucky enough to be featured in the unsung Australian television classic Sea Change. Sea Change, yes. Um, and, and you got to do that. And then... Looking for Ella Brandy goes to the stratosphere in Australia, and you know there's people that still go on walking tours Enmore Road and look at the old terrace houses yeah, and stuff yeah. like that. And then you make a move on the states. Had that? Had you done a pilot season there before, or had you just? I never really did did pilot season to no. be honest. But the, the adventure for me over there was really. I never really dreamed of being a movie star as such, or, or playing Hamlet on stage, yeah. or being on Broadway. My ambitions were really around storytelling. Yeah. And so it felt like being an actor in Australia and doing Ella Brandy was, I learned a lot from that. Yeah. And I'd learned through, I mean, being on Sea Change and Wildside and a lot of TV shows, it just felt like there was a place I wanted to go to to learn a lot more. Mm. So, yeah, I just kind of was over there. I think probably a little bit of that idea of getting chased in, in Manly. Yeah. It is a weird thing when you suddenly become famous when you're not famous, yeah. quoting the castle, and yeah. then, then suddenly you're not famous again. I think when I went to America, suddenly no one um, knew who I was, and I could get on with, you yeah. know, going to the Barney's Beanery. Yeah, going to Barney's Beanery <laughs> and, and gambling on football, and, and just being around a filmmaking community where it's really um, all encompassing. So yeah. every day, every night, all, all of those years, I was just kind of learning and observing filmmakers, and yeah. I was lucky enough to along the way work with some really good ones that, that I would count as my heroes. Well, like, you've worked with the Wachowskis, Wachowskis yeah. three times? 
Uh, well, we did two seasons of, of Sensei, one Which of their shows. Which was amazing, and yeah. I'm so sad that it got cancelled. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know if it got cancelled or if the story had sort of, I guess, right, I don't know. Cool. It was expensive to make, It was very it? expensive, very yeah. It was in the early days of Netflix mm. uh, doing s- s- full seasons, and um, that was an amazing experience. For a year and a half, I'd be sitting at a, at a bar in, you know, LA, and they would suddenly, I'd get a text saying, can you get on a plane at 10am tomorrow and come to Korea? Because they would have written me into a scene in Korea, and, and, you, and then I'd fly over there and do that. It was an unbelievable experience. Yeah, I and they're fascinating all the, characters. All the orgy scenes where they're all in their heads. Yeah, doing like the, <laughs> yeah. they're all over the. Sounds world. Sounds like it was in your head, head a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> it would have been. Um, but <laughs> Jupiter Ascending, which yeah, how was that? That was with uh, Mila with Mila and, Kunis, yeah, yeah and, and uh, Channing Tatum. That was great. All the stuff I've done with them were just such amazing experiences. They're mm. they're incredibly intellectually courageous and mm. creatively courageous and some of their things have worked some haven't but Speed Racer which I did with them Matthew Fox was in that and Susan mm. Saran was in that and they're both in this show so yeah. that's yeah. where I met so them So is, is this what you do I mean I, you go to countries where there's a lot of history cultural like a lot of cultural ex- export you go to countries like Ireland or even you look at California itself and I always find how does everyone in this industry not know each other? Because <laughs> yeah. as Australians, we collect friends, yeah, right? Like, yeah. have you utilised a little bit of that? I mean, of course that makes sense. You worked with her there. You got her number. You asked her if she wanted to be in yeah. this thing later on. Oh, for sure. On yeah. this show, um, and, you know, people say, it. you know, if you ever do anything, and yeah. we Australians love saying, yeah. oh, mate, if you ever do anything, I'll yeah. be yeah, in yeah, it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and this just was something that once it took off, once it became a real – it was really, you know, dropping a big name, but he's in it. Sean Penn, yeah. he, once he was involved yeah. and he got involved in a big way, you know, he playing really – Playing himself. That's yeah, huge. playing himself. Yeah, a version of himself, a yeah. bit of a heightened version of himself. But he, he um, saw this little <laughs> – he wants to reclaim what Team America did to him playing himself. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny with these guys because Sean knows he shines a really bright light on some really wild situations. Yeah. And he's, yeah. he's lived been, in Haiti for a couple of years. Oh, yeah. yeah. And as soon as that happened, he went down there. First yeah. nine months of that, that earthquake, he was there on the ground. Yeah. And, and an amazing character in that respect. And he knows he has to take a certain level of seriousness with him mm. in order to speak to governments and presidents and whatnot to get help for that situation. But in real life, you hang out with him, he's constantly laughing at himself. Yeah. So this was a chance to kind of... How did you get him involved? Well, through a series of very, very fortunate events, actually, through sort of like you were saying, people knowing people. Yeah. And mm. when I did Speed Racer, um, he'd just made Into the Wild. And oh. Emil Hirsch was yeah, the lead yeah. Into the Wild, then Speed Racer. So I ended up hanging out with Sean a little bit through Emil. Anyway, and having just known him a little bit over the years, and then I made this teaser for this show with the boys that are in it. Oh, you and did a sizzle reel with the Yeah, we did team. a little. Yeah, yeah. made of mine in, uh, um, in America, a big producer, he said, you know what, if you want to do your own thing, he said, go make a 15-minute version of something you want to do yeah. and just show people – because I hadn't done anything as a director, he said, people are not going to give you money yeah. unless they can see that you can do it. Because yeah. yeah. it is a crazy investment film yeah. and television. Because yeah. if you buy a house, even yeah. if the market collapses, you'll have something you worth 50% of what <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. When you make a show, if you, if yeah. you fuck it up, it's worth yeah. zero. Mm. So, um, yeah, anyway, Sean saw the sizzle. And I didn't know him very well. And he, he rang me up and he said, look, this is so perfectly inappropriate yeah. what you're doing with this. And he said, I'm going to give you three options. A, you let me help you get it made. B, I'll join you and make it with you. Or C, you can tell me to go fuck myself. <laughs> well, both the first two options sounds like you're going to help it get made. Yeah, by yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> lending your name, let, let alone your you know, production stripes. I want to talk about 
the premise now, the elevator pitch, what would you say it is? Because it's I've been thinking about it, and yeah, I don't know. It, maybe it's a throwback, you know, to the era. It, and it's not as absurdist as the Hot Shots or the Naked no, Gun. No, but it does have that big epicness to it. Yeah, yeah, and very influenced by yeah. those films for sure. Yeah, yeah look, it's it's really just four guys, four soldiers kidnapped in a fictitious war, yeah. who suddenly realise that their lives would be change for the better by becoming famous rather than becoming free. Yeah, right. So they focus their attention on on becoming social media stars who have been kidnapped. And it was my way, that was just an entry point, it was my way to explore what I've been through for the last 20 years or, or had a front row seat at for 20 years, which is, and I don't think we've reconciled it, where reality TV for 10 years morphed into social media. Yeah. Mm. And that transition from stardom Really, when I started acting, you'd become a star because you did something. Yeah. And you weren't necessarily special, yeah. for sure. Or you but, did but something and became a star. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. yeah, and it turned to like, no, 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 you became a star because you were doing nothing, basically. Yeah. Mm. And then you were a star just mm. because you were famous. I always look at that young bloke, Egg Boy, you know, oh, the one that the kid that egged yeah. the like the One Nation senator. Mm. So it was the day ah. after the Christchurch massacre. And this guy gave a you know a distasteful press conference where he was trying to obviously be as tone deaf as possible, and like you know, <laughs> it's succeeding it, very well at it. Yeah, I'm sure. And this young kid snuck in, and it was a perfect social media moment because this kid was 16, so you couldn't charge him with anything. Yeah, he'd snuck into this effectively white supremacist press event by pretending to be a disillusioned youth, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and they welcomed him, and then yeah, and then egged uh-huh. the guy while he was speaking. Mm. And then got bashed by skinheads, but he was just—he was that age where like a hiding doesn't really—you can bounce back from that. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. He's six, like an X-Men character. Sixteen-year-old just getting boots and punches in the ribs, and then he took off. And then I don't think he sought it, but someone found his social media account. There's a sixteen-year-old, and there was millions of followers overnight Exploded. from like you know oh, all wow. the Muslim countries around the world were supporting him, and he became Egg Boy. And then I kind of go, well, where does this end now? Yeah, like, where does it go? This kid's not finished school yet. And, yeah. then, and the next time he pops up was he was, you know, obviously an enlightened young man who smoked a few billies and was at all anti-vaxxer. And everyone was heartbroken by him. I was like, mate, that's what happens. Yeah. Teenage boys let you down. Yeah. Like, don't, don't expect him to you know, keep up this incredible kind yeah, and of moral crusade. At, well, yeah, and exactly, because he's not trying to be an advocate. No, no. You don't know what he thinks about everything else. Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of that... That funny thing, I mean, a little bit with Russell Brand right now, yeah. there's this incredible divide yeah. of people who think Russell Brand's a great guy yeah. are in his corner yeah. and everyone who thinks he's not a good guy are in the other corner, yeah. but there's none of their opinions are based on the facts of what's going on. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's sort of circumventing the idea of law and order that, yeah. we ha- that we've yeah. created in the West, which is the idea of innocence until proven guilty yeah. and then you have a trial and yeah. then if you're guilty, you serve your time. Now it's... Well, really, an opinion based. Well, the fact that you can have two reputations, you know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's a bizarre. You know, you can operate as both loved and loathed. Yeah, and I remember early days. I did a film down in um, Tennessee. This uh, American film called Dolce Calhoun, which is a really cool experience, which Johnny Knoxville was the lead in. Yeah. So, it was, and it was at the height of Jackass. So, yeah. it was an amazing three months down there with him. Uh, Sounds but, like it would have been really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got amazing footage from down there. The first, the first thing we did, we walked in. I walked into the hotel, met him, and the first thing he did was, you know, handed me a pill of some kind. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck it was. And then we went to Walmart, and he bought a pump action shotgun with, <laughs> with, with his license. Which in his license, he has a um, a priest's 
you know, collar on because <laughs> he went amazing. to the DMV in America with that on. So his, his license has, has him as a priest, as a priest <laughs> and just handed over and got a pump action shotgun. And then we were driving around with that. And yeah, it, was, it was an unbelievable time. But the, the woman behind the counter, who was this amazing woman, really nice, looked after us all. And she was telling me that we had to go to war in Iraq. And I said, but why, why do you want to go to war? Why are you so gung-ho? <laughs> And she said, well, we have to get revenge for 9-11. Yeah. Mm. And I remember thinking, wow, this woman fully believes that's true. She, yeah. That's her reality. That's yeah. a fact. That the and then I looked up in the corner and there was on the TV, in her in the lobby of the hotel at all times was Fox News. Yeah. yeah. And this was back yeah. in 2004. And, it, and you think, God, that 20 years of that has morphed that country into, yeah, into, a, into oh, a wild a, With the two opinions you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, and they the think they're opinions. facts. And now even like it's split even more where you kind of – there's a chasm now in – uh, the Republican Party, where yeah. you know, are you not extreme enough? Yeah. You? And you know, oh, yesterday I was watching them all berate Donald Trump as being a moderate. I was like, whoa, <laughs> like he's, yeah, whoa. he's created something here. But I guess there's always been this kind of maybe social media has been able to shine a light on the fact that we're not all this grey person. Like we're not this one person. I, I feel yeah. it's kind of a more accelerated and magnified version of what you did in something like Looking for Ella Brandy, where we have these eccentricities that exist in the suburbs mm. and in the towns. And maybe somewhere like America would be better off balkanizing and, you know, people who feel like that could Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. There's no doubt. Their big their big problem in the US yeah. is they're three hundred and fifty million people yeah. and they don't there's people who are so ideologically opposed. Yeah. How do you govern yeah. It's like having a, being a parent of two yeah. kids who hate each other yeah. and can't agree on anything. I mean, yeah. how do you agree on where you're going to go on a holiday? How do you govern them? Yeah. yeah, very, very difficult. I mean, are you touching on a military-industrial complex here? Um, not really. No. Not not to a huge extent. We we're kind of landing on politicians a little yeah, more. Yeah, I don't yeah. think. I mean, the act, whatever AUKUS deal or whatever that yeah. thing is, that yeah. feels to me the first real influence of military yeah, on yeah. a large scale. You, in America, you see it every day. Yeah. That the, the industrial complex over there is just yeah, yeah, yeah. insane. Here, I feel like we keep it at an arm's length. But yeah. but when I saw that and you thought Anthony Albanese wasn't elected to sign a $350 billion mm. military deal, there's no way, but he mm. did. Yeah. And so there's a push there Isn't somehow. Isn't it funny that the, the issues that we ask for details on? I need more details. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to ask more details on a $300 billion yeah, military yeah, yeah. contract? Yeah, oh. no, that <laughs> egregious. But... And you think about what that yeah. could do if you if you sign that deal into you know homeless youth, yeah. you basically solve the problem over yeah, the next yeah, ten yeah. years. Yeah, I would well, say, but um, free, free dental for but the no, whole country. But no, we we touch on it a little bit. The, the show, what I wanted to do was it was, I feel like in our quest over the last twenty years to not be defined by one thing, especially an aesthetic thing, with our identity. Like I yeah. think I've followed very closely the, you know, women's movement. My mum was a, a big feminist when I was young and, yeah. and seeing that push to not be identified as a woman. Yeah. Mm. But, you know, like obviously mm. you identify, you know you're, yeah. you're a woman if you're a woman yeah. or, if you're, yeah. or if you're non-binary, that's yeah. what you are. And if you're a yeah. man, you're a man. But but in the workplace, I don't want to be the female lawyer. Yeah. I'm a lawyer. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. I think that's been the fight. Oh, yeah, it, as in, so you, yeah, you're talking about people, we're at a point now your mum was of the bra burners. Yep. And, but we're now at a point now where no one really wants to be referred to as the first female in this role. No. Yeah, they just no. want to be in this role. Well, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. But social media's given rise to a place where we're, people are being identified yeah. as one thing. Yeah, yeah. And so we've sort of gone full circle. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I wanted to explore that with this show a bit, which was and, – and I didn't want to lean into, you know, these are the good guys, these are the bad guys. The bad guys – 
that we meet at the start of the show ultimately are the good guys. Yeah. Mm. And the soldiers in our show end up being the guys who were doing something bad. Yeah. So you go, well, are they Australian heroes or are they doing something bad? And Well, it's very timely, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't planned. <laughs> that was not planned. <laughs> um, what has it been like in terms of an, you know, an alumni on court? What's oh, the, yeah. what's been the feeling oh. amongst? I mean, have you had those? Uh, have you had a rap party? Have you had Brian Brown yep. spinning yarns about oh, you know, yeah, Bankstown yeah. back in the fucking sixties? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he loves telling those stories. <laughs> no, it was a really amazing family because for me it was all really friends and yeah. people I'd met over the years all coming together. And I'd always been on film sets. I don't know if it's by happenstance or design, but which were really happy places. The Wachowskis yeah. had really happy sets. Yeah. Everyone was really a family. And so on this, I really wanted to kind of reflect that. And it, it, there's a sort of notion in entertainment a little bit that or in film, especially there's got to be pain involved to create something good. Mm. And I, I really wanted to, to, I hate to that. yeah, yeah. I don't think so. No, no, not at all. No, No, and hopefully this show will prove to, for me at least, um, that you don't have to. Because honestly, every day was such a joy. There were challenges and it was difficult, but the people that came together to make, we just had a crew screening last night. And it was just amazing to see how much everyone was enjoying well being together. Then, mate. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, um, I want to ask, this is a directorial debut mm-hmm. and you're acting, right? So with something like that, with those kind of um, credits on a production, it would speak to this being your baby. Yep. I look at something like Eastbound and Down with Danny McBride. Yeah, yeah. That was his baby. Yeah. You know, written, directed, starring. Yeah. And something like Eastbound and Down was something he was trying to get up for 10, 15 years. You know, like, is it one of those things? Or oh, was yeah, this, no, very much this, so. Uh, yeah, is yeah, this yeah, something yeah. you... No, this is like a 25-year... Okay. The idea wasn't with me for 25 years, yeah. but when I think of all the themes that are in it and yeah. the people that are in it yeah. and the friends I've, you know, yeah. gathered along the way, it's a 25-year journey for me yeah. from getting chased on Manly Beach yeah, with yeah. Cal yeah, yeah, yeah. to sitting here. And it was it was sort of born out of Fleabag, actually. Dra- Drazik and Jacob. Fleabag. Fleabag. <laughs> I fucking love Fleabag. Yeah, Fleabag was I unbelievable. the best And the thing I loved about it was is that it came along right in the midst of the Me Too movement Mm. but it was a story written by a woman starring a woman created by a woman and she was saying some fucking outrageous things that you that no one else could say and so it was a you know like the opening of the show she sits Mm. there you know I don't know if you remember you know but it's her hooking up with a guy and yeah. da da da. When I watched that, I thought, oh, this is really interesting. I want to do my version of mm-hmm. this. That was really the big inspiration for me. Was she's sitting there telling her story yeah. in her way, in her words, and I was like, well, yeah, I want to try and Are do that. Are you hoping to get a sixty million dollar Amazon deal where you do nothing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, she, yes. I mean, yes. yes. I mean, that is that. a dream. I, will, I would not say no. <laughs> I wouldn't run away from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, have you got anything else in the pipeline? I mean. This is something new. This is going to be something that, that people talk about, particularly with the scale of this thing and, yeah, and the yeah. names. No, it's not going to be a quiet. This is a before and after moment in yeah. TV, especially yeah. with the rise of streaming. We now know we can do this and, yeah. we can, and we can make Australian stuff and people from elsewhere in the world want to be involved in Australian stuff. And, you know, it's something that can translate elsewhere around the world. Has there been anything that you were thinking of or, or kind of had in the pipeline? Yeah, or? a bunch of, a bunch of yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, and, and Stan is an amazing yeah. – 
place that I, and I've talked to them a lot about and Brian Brown I've known for a long long time and he talked about this that he wanted to to go overseas and be Australian yeah. he wanted to be Australian yeah. in movies yeah. and my yearning after 20 years was really to make shows here yeah. but not necessarily make Australian like this show isn't really an Australian show I mean we, we're in a yeah. foreign country for yeah. most of it but it's certainly an Australian made show yeah. and, and most of the cast is Australian but it feels like Fleabag, good example. I was sitting in LA as an Australian watching a British woman's show. Yeah. But the only separation all of that is these labels that I'm giving myself there as an Australian. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm yeah. living in LA yeah. and she's a British woman. Yeah. If you minus them, it's just a story someone's telling yeah. that I yeah. love watching. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we can do that in Australia. And the hope is with this show is that it works. Yeah. If it doesn't work, then I'm fucked and, and you know, I don't uh, know. Still I'll, before I'll, and after moment. But if it works and people like it, then I feel like it maybe will prove that we can do this mm. scale of a, of a project here. Where were you filming it? Like the jungle, uh, that jungle looked real uh, jungly. It's this amazing <laughs> place out in Terry Hills. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> everyone will think we went to the Philippines, but <laughs> this guy planted a rainforest in his backyard 30 years ago. Really? And I stumbled across it and uh, he didn't want to let a film crew in there. And I went in and had a six pack of beers with this old guy, Gordy, who's just (laughs) the biggest legend. And um, he's cultivated this garden for 30 years. Anyway, at the end of the day, he goes, oh, yeah, mate, you can come in. So so we built the whole camp there. And if you go 30 metres left, right, north, south, east, west, you're just standing in the suburbs. But inside of it, you you would think you're in the Philippines. It's really wild. Yeah, And Sydney's got that climate that you can grow a lot of bamboo and palms and... Yeah, phenomenal place. Right. I would not have thought. Yeah. That. I mean, that definitely helps production. Well, because <laughs> budget-wise, you can't yeah. send 100 crew and use, 20 actors Did he let you use to the, the toilets as well? That yeah. would have made it easier <laughs> yeah, too. Would, we, well, the, the advantage was the next door property yeah. was an empty block. Oh, right. So we got that for the crew. We yeah. had all the trucks there. and Wow, hey. Yeah. What a fun. I mean, yeah, it was amazing. You had to make this film. Yeah, had to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, once well, once all the all the machinery was in place, yeah, there was no turning back. Well, it's done now, and uh, it's it's there for everyone to have a look at. Check out Court on Stan, and uh, we look forward to what else is in the can for you, uh, Kick. Thank you for bringing Sean Penn to us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah.